This is Repeat Prescription Radio. Yes, yes, we are back for the month of November. This is Repeat Prescription Radio. My name is Frankie. I am an academic doctor based here in the East Midlands. And for the past three months or so, I've been doing a little mini-series on inflammatory bowel disease, something that has become very close to my heart and close to my work in these past few months. I've spoke about the disease on its own. I've spoke about what the disease sort of entails, the two disease entities, Crohn's and ulcerative colitis. From there, I then went on and had a very personal conversation with Lewis about his experience with ulcerative colitis. And now to round it off, I'm going to speak to Paisy, an old friend who's suffered with Crohn's disease for over a decade of his life. I think this contrasting experience with a somewhat similar but completely different disease speaks volume about the individualistic experiences that individuals with chronic diseases face. Paisy has slightly different outlooks, seems to crack a lot of jokes, and although Lewis has his own dark sense of humour, his journey is vastly different from Paisy's journey. I hope you guys have enjoyed this mini-series, and I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Stay locked to listen to more about Crohn's disease and my good friend Pisces' experience with it. Hello everyone, welcome back to Repeat Prescription Radio, all things music, all things medicine. Um, Back again, continuing the IBD sort of mini-series at this point. So at this point you will have heard my conversation with... Lewis about his experience with ulcerative colitis hopefully as well you would have had a chance to listen to the more educational TED talk I gave about IBD as a whole what it encompasses etc and now we're going to hear from another friend of mine about his experience with Crohn's disease Um, I think there will probably be similarities in their story but I think there's also going to be a lot of differences as well which is why I think this conversation is quite important to have so I'd like to welcome uh, my friend Adam Paisy to the show I know him as Paisy so I'm, gonna, I'm probably going to call him Paisy the whole way through um, but a lot of people do call him Adam as well so uh, how are you doing Paisy? <laughs> I'm right, mate how are you thanks for having me on <laughs> <laughs> no I'm chilling I'm good I'm good um it's been a it's been a hot minute since we we saw each other. Probably about what a couple yeah, of months now. I'm just about recovered by now, I think. Yeah, yeah. Last time we saw each other, we were getting up to some naughtiness down in London, um, but all recovered from that now, and uh, yeah, ready to talk about something mm-hmm. a bit more serious. <laughs> <laughs> so, I've known Pisces since. 
I was about 16 years old, which is almost a decade ago, which is very scary to think. Um, I remember when I started school um, or started my new school for sixth form um, and meeting Paisley, people would occasionally bring up the fact that you had Crohn's disease and they'd also point out the fact that you had grown an obscene amount in a very short period of time. Um, and you did seem to grow quite a lot between the ages of 16 and 17. Cause I, when I remember you were, when I started school, I think you were quite a bit shorter than, or, or at least a little bit shorter than me. And then you went to being well above six foot in, in a very short space of time. Um, and I later found out that was to do with the fact that you had Crohn's and all this sorts of things. So, um, I think it's probably, good to start from the beginning and sort of find out about what sort of led to your diagnosis with Crohn's disease, Pazzi. Yeah, no. Um, so I suppose it was quite a long time before that, that I was eventually diagnosed, but actually even the road to diagnosis was actually not a simple, easy one. Um, I think it must be actually about around 13, 14, where I first started having um issues with my bowel and stuff so i'd have a lot of i'm gonna be i try not to be too graphic with things like this but um it's pretty nasty um but there was a period where i suppose it was like a vicious cycle really where um when i'd start eating stuff and i couldn't really pinpoint when this started exactly but whenever i sort of like ate lunch it would give me pain as it passed through the various places in the body um but that sort of led to me then not eating um so then i would come home from school uh having not had lunch sort of thing and just go straight to my room get on my bed essentially go to sleep and my parents would come in and be like you know 12 13 14 year old kid why why are you not like up and about why are you not doing your homework what's what's going on and that was actually quite a difficult period um because obviously they didn't understand but I didn't understand but I was just having these this cycle of um eating causes pain therefore don't eat therefore get really tired and that would just like you know perpetuate and continue for quite a long time um and it would involve you know going to the doctors to try and work out what was wrong and there was a few different things that they um settled on to be honest I actually can't remember what they were thinking it was at the time um now because like you say 10 years ago we were 16 and it's i was thinking about it today obviously in preparation for this and yeah 14 years ago is even more insane but um yeah i suppose it was um going round in circles trying to work out what's wrong and that actual process took about a year um before they could actually um work out that it was crohn's that was the thing that was affecting me Okay. And 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 so it it was mainly sort of the pain that you were having in the first place or was it also sort of for for a polite description loose motions and sort of blood and everything um from your back passage? Uh it's definitely just the pain um from what I remember. I don't really remember much else in all honesty. Um I do feel like there's going to be a lot of um like you said it's your experience and it's what you've done um and for me i i don't want to sound like flippant because i know a lot of people and 
I'm going to be touching wood a lot in this as well, but at the moment I'm absolutely fine. I've been fine for a long time, but for, I know for a lot of people it's been a lot worse for them. It's an ongoing thing that they're dealing with in everyday life. Okay, so that, that's interesting. That's really interesting. So how old were you then when you got your diagnosis? So I believe I was 14 at the time. And then I suppose that's when I started going into hospital. I know you talked about it in your TED Talk sort of thing that um, you'd have to have like a colonoscopy and all that kind of thing, which is all very enjoyable. And I know like when I've been with you and the other boys and stuff, I've always been like quite like flippant about that and made a bit of a joke out of it because um, I think the best way to approach that is with humour because uh, it's not a particularly pleasant thing to do. Um, but yeah, no, so basically that involved um, staying in hospital for a week. I remember it because it was um, before our religious studies, GCC, which was a crucial part of the education syllabus. <laughs> But um, I distinctly remember it because it was like just before that. And then uh, I d as a result, I don't think that went particularly well. So I was focused on other things. Um, but yeah, that involved like a colonoscopy and stuff. And they were assessing where in the, uh, I think it was small bowel that the information was and how severe it was and all that kind of thing. So that wasn't particularly fun. And uh, lots of trips up to the John Radcliffe with my parents and my auntie and stuff, who's also a doctor. Um, to try and uh, work out what's wrong and find the best solution. So when you initially were diagnosed after sort of having a colonoscopy and everything, is that when you sort of started treatment? Yeah, yeah. And I suppose that's the next sort of part of the story, really. Um, in that I had escalating levels of treatment. Uh, if I, again, a long time ago, but if I remember correctly, I started off with steroids, I think it was prednisolone, as well as a few other things, so iron supplements and that kind of thing. But it amounted to taking sort of eight tablets a day um, to try and suppress it. And that was sort of like stage one, and that didn't really work. And then, I actually only remember this today, I must have suppressed it because it's such a bad memory, but um, <laughs> the next stage, which I was desperate to avoid, so I was really keen the steroids worked, was um, the liquid diet. And I've, I think a few of our mates will remember this. Um, so I, so oh, you were on. The, I remember hearing glimpses about this. You were just on the like the end, the end show of milkshakes yeah, oh, for ages, oh weren't my you? Lord. Uh, milkshakes is a generous description. That makes them sound quite fun. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so the, st the steroids hadn't really calmed down any inflammation. Just I presume the goal. I'm not as clued up on it as you are, and mm. Charles is probably not. Yeah try not to listen too much to what was going on and just like, you know, take the tablets, that'll be all right. Um, that obviously didn't work. So the next stage was a liquid diet. So yeah, I'd have like six to eight of these milkshakes a day. And I think the idea behind that was, which would replace all other sort of food or nutrients or any of that kind of thing. Um, and I think the idea behind that was that it was so like neutral, but it would still give you all the things you need to in theory, grow and develop. Um, but yeah, it would be so neutral, it would calm down your stomach and you do it for, I think I did it for six weeks. Horrible. Um, uh, and yeah, <laughs> I, I think that calmed it down briefly and it sort of came back again. I know they're called flare-ups. So if I had another flare-up, um, I mean, it definitely didn't solve the problem because 
although it may have calmed it down briefly, it obviously came back, um, the information, things. Um, and then... And how old were you, sorry, at this time? About 16? Is this pre-GCSE? No, so I would have been 14, 15 at the time, so sort of going into okay. GCSEs. Uh, and then the next stage was in Flixamab, um, which involved going into hospital for a day. Uh, initially, initially it might have been like once every two weeks sort of thing, and it would gradually get spaced out to once a month and then once every two months. But essentially you'd sit in holiday in a um, hospital for a day with a, a trip in your arm. Uh, I distinctly remember the highlight of those trips of my dad going to the hospital cafe to get a nice bun and uh, avoid the hospital food. And that was like the the highlight of the day, the thing you look forward to, because there wasn't much else to look forward to. But yeah, that was all, uh, all good fun. Um, and then I think the thing that set me down after that, because that didn't appear to work very well after a while. Um, the thing that set me down the most for a long time was azathioprine, which I I think was about the time where I came to know you. I was on those. Um, and they, they, they've worked for a long time. Um, but, you know, that it took four levels of treatment to get to that level. And all with, I know you mentioned it in your TED Talk podcast again, like the, the, increasing levels of you know side effects to consider and all that kind of aspect of it um so yeah i was on those which for anyone don't know they're immunosuppressants which i mean i think they have more serious long-term side effects if you take them for a long time but um yeah i mean the, the whole point is they suppress your immune system so i mean that would leave me with a sort of permanent cold which was great but i mean they did work so you gotta balance out the pros and the cons um and then i actually got to a point probably two two years ago maybe longer now because i don't last year sort of doesn't count in my opinion and probably in most people's opinions um where i stopped medication completely for probably about a year uh then had a flare-up because i was kind of thinking i'm over this now this is i don't know this is never something that goes away um but yeah, perhaps naively or arrogantly thought I've got rid of this. Um, so then went straight back on the days of fibrin on the advice of my doctors. And then actually took a bit of a turn when COVID hit in February of last year. Um, and I, to be honest, I was just, I made a decision myself. So I was reading all the stuff in the press about, you know, people with weakened immune systems and all that kind of thing. I thought I'm not going to take immunosuppressant drugs um and i'm gonna see what happens so I, I i made a decision myself to come off my medication um which i've been doing ever since and again touch wood i knew i'd say it more than once in this episode but um yeah no to now i've been absolutely fine no real issues to speak of whatsoever wow okay well uh have you have you uh actually we'll, we'll come back we'll come back to sort of um where you finished your sort of journey in regards to uh your medication and how how that's changed over the years i mean going back to sort of you taking steroids when you're 14 um and you're saying about these eight tablets and i think this is something that's underappreciated um trying to get a a 14 year old um 
And in Lewis's podcast, he mentioned that he was taking a stupid amount of tablets a day with the steroids because they only come in like five milligrams and you'll be on like 40 or something like that. Um, it's it's hard trying to tell a 14-year-old to take that many tablets. And it, it's not just for... It's, sometimes these are like six-week courses that slowly, gradually decrease. And um, I, I think that's something that's definitely underappreciated. I don't know how you sort of found it at the time obviously it it wasn't even effective for you which must have been frustrating yeah i suppose you've hit nail on the head there really with <clears throat> talking about like the mental aspect of the toll it takes on you and that kind of thing uh i know i mentioned briefly about you know the colonoscopies and being quite like making a joke out of that with you and other people but it does take its toll but yeah um going back to the, that sort of period um and the mental toll because like, like i say now I mean, there definitely was pain and things and there was a physical aspect to it, but it was definitely more the mental side that took a took its toll on me. Um, and I suppose I use the example of, like, I love my rugby back in the day and I love playing rugby. And um, I, I know anyone that played rugby with me at the time would absolutely agree that I was an absolutely bang average rugby player. <laughs> it wasn't like I was the best guy on the team, but I was... Uh, probably the biggest guy on the team, if not one of the biggest. And when we came to play other people, would always be, you know, one of the biggest guys on the pitch. And uh, to be honest, that probably helped my ability because no one wanted to tackle me. So I probably had a bit of a self-inflated sense of worth and stuff. But um, (laughs) I found the biggest impact for me, to be honest, that lasted longer than any sort of pain in the stomach or that kind of thing was the fact that I went from being the biggest guy on the team, age sort of 12, 13, to obviously people growing up around me and like you like you alluded to in the introduction when you joined sixth form and met me i was like mm. way shorter than everyone else i had this massive growth spurt. but i went from being you know the biggest guy on the team to actually getting beaten up by people that are actually essentially growing into men <laughs> whilst i was still <laughs> a child so i like i massively fell out of love with rugby and was like to the point where i ended up giving it up because i was just like i'm I, and I remember having quite an emotional conversation with my dad because I was just like, because I thought he'd be really disappointed in me for like giving it up. But I was just like sat on the edge of his bed being like, I don't enjoy this anymore. I'm just getting beaten up every week. You know, it's just like, it's not fun. Like I am just like smaller than everyone else, getting absolutely thrown around. So that was definitely the toughest bit for me. And I suppose, like you say, you saw me grow a lot when we were 16. Yeah, so... That was a long time from sort of diagnosis not to grow from being like the one of the biggest boys, tallest boys, whatever, to being shorter than everyone else. And I was actually talking about it with my girlfriend the other day, you know, talking about like being shorter than people in our group. She can't really believe that now. So I, I think I am probably, along with you, probably one of the tallest. You're probably, you might, you might be one of, yeah, like you're definitely, you're probably the tallest person in our group. Um, yeah, and I suppose yeah. there was a lot of anxiety at one point because it's like, am I ever gonna grow? You know, <laughs> is this gonna like kick in? Or yeah, something? yeah, because that will have been almost four years, and then you were yeah. probably like, yeah, sixteen, sixteen and a half before you really started. Like, and it it was crazy. I remember um, it was the summer between lower sixth and upper sixth, so 
17 going to 18, you just, you honestly went from being, so I'm about six foot, Paisy will have been at that point, he'd grown a little bit and you would have still been probably a couple inches short of me to about six four. So you grew like, or, or six three, however tall you are, it's significantly taller than me, especially I, with the hair. I'll take six three. With the hair. I think you've been very generous. <laughs> with, with the hair. If uh, if you guys know Paisy, he's, yeah, yeah. he's, he's got, He's got a big lid. Great, great lid. I'm, I'm yeah. not sure about great, mate. Let's <laughs> not talk about lids. <laughs> um, for for the for the listeners, you can't see my my hair right now, but uh, I've 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 got a terribly short haircut right now. Um, but anyway, that's a story for another time. So yeah, I it it, it was. It was crazy to see. Was it? Was it a relief when that was sort of happening? Was uh, uh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I was in real like you know has this like genuinely like has this like stunted my growth and my has this like stopped me developing. I'm mean, I'm going to be like stuck like this. Like, it was a genuine like fear for quite a long time. And um, again, I was going through those old like YouTube drum cover videos I did uh, like a long time ago with my girlfriend. She like I was showing them to her or she somehow found them she's that's what she's like um and she's like what you're like 16 17 there and it's she can't believe it because it's like yeah different person yeah yeah and and yeah i mean it's it it must have been hard for a start to sort of go through that but then it's also just um crazy how quick it happened then when when it did happen and 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 so was it around what what sort of age you, you say it was around the time that I started sixth form? You were starting to take azathioprine as well, and that's when. Yeah, I think so. Like it's all very hazy, but yeah, that's definitely that's definitely the thing that worked for me. Um, yeah, and allowed me to, you know, essentially grow. Um, so yeah, it would have been around that time, but yeah. Hmm. And then, obviously. Between that sort of period, you've you've got, <clears throat> pardon me, you've gone from steroids to this uh, what we call enteral feeding, but for you it's just drink, drinking a load of rubbishy milkshakes to infliximab, which is a really powerful drug, um, tazofiaprin, um, and that sort of all happened in quite an important period of your life in terms of your education and your sort of social development. Do you, do you think it had a big impact on those two things on your education and on your sort of social life definitely on the education again going back to the crucial religious studies qualification that we were um asked to do i think it must be it was an early gcc sort of thing so it's like it was year 10 um and i remember we had a new head of year when we got our results in like september year 11 sort of thing i presume must have been around that time um and it was like me and again a very vivid memory but me and a couple of other guys who'd like done very badly we were like in his <laughs> we got like summoned this is an example of the school we went to um we got summoned to his office um to explain why we'd done so badly and i i was i distinct vividly remember being like uh yeah i was quite quite ill and i remember being like well that's not good enough i remember going home to my parents and they were like, yeah, you probably should have explained a bit more. Like, you were literally in the hospital for a week, like a, a week before the exam. Probably weren't in the right frame of mind or, you know, position to, like, revise properly and that kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, that one stuck out. But, uh, <laughs> um, 
Yeah, no, I think it definitely had an effect. Because, like, how would it not if you, uh, particularly in that period two diagnosis where you come home, well, you're exhausted anyway at school, and you come home, mm. and you don't, you're not in the frame of mind to do any work, you're literally going to sleep at mm. four in the afternoon. So, it, yeah, without a doubt, it had an impact. I'm not going to lie, I was probably never the most proactive or, you know, whatever. Typical boy, like minimal effort, get by, that would do. Um, but yeah, no, it, it, without a doubt, had an impact. And then socially, I suppose, yeah, it would have, yeah. The whole, like, development thing would have had a, definitely had a massive dent in my confidence until until it turned around. And I, I think I grew into myself, but you can be the judge of that. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, I mean... Uh, like staying on the sort of social aspect i guess we in uh, like the others obviously you've known for a long time that you had crones like i alluded to they they always uh, sort of just made a a joke about it um and that sort of was going on as long as i've known you is that sort of how you have dealt with it socially and uh, is that how it's always sort of been or was it at one point something you didn't really want to talk about no definitely i think i was the one that always made it into a joke because mm. you know it's about things coming out your bottom that aren't right <laughs> and I, I don't know i've always felt like i had to be like you know make light of it and not dwell on it and that kind of thing and that was probably my way of dealing with it i think at one point maybe i'd, I'd like be sensitive about it and i sort of mm. got to the point where like this doesn't really achieve anything if anything it just looks like attention grabbing and attention seeking like mm. i don't i don't know i think my way of dealing with it after probably an initial period of being quite like sensitive and you know you should i don't know yeah no i think it was definitely me that made light of it well if <laughs> it would be pretty harsh if all our mates were like <laughs> just treading the piss for, out of me. for having a chronic disease <laughs> for God's sake, guys, really struggling here <laughs> no i think it, it was definitely it would definitely be me that would be the catalyst for making a joke out of it definitely yeah yeah, uh, but I again, mean, I get that. I come back to the point that I don't want to make light of this condition because it's not funny and it's very serious. And I, yeah, I think I've been actually pretty fortunate if I look at myself now, um, having come through it, or you know, to this point, I seem to be okay and I'm dealing with it and I'm managing it. Um, I know a lot of people have got it a lot worse off than me, and I, I don't want to make it seem like oh, I was funny thing to deal with but that is just how i like broke it down and dealt with it when i was going through it at the time mm. and I, I think you highlight an important thing though that is just how people deal with chronic diseases as a whole i think um interestingly enough uh lewis in his episode like there was a lot of dark humor there and he said that was part of the way that he sort of deals with it and i think different people will deal with things in different ways um and it, just as you said um it's not undermining anyone's experience with a chronic disease with ibd it's more just how individuals deal with it and a big part of that is their personalities and i see that the day-to-day in the hospital um like like I mentioned and sort of what inspired this series on IBD is me working on a gastro ward with a lot of IBD patients and you you do see some people uh really crumble 
at points um, and it becomes too much for them. And I completely understand um, some people do spend really, really prolonged periods in time with hospital. Um, and even the ones who don't and are just on a more informal basis, it's the burden of having to come in for these infusions, like you said, with infliximab, the regular scoping, the regular poo testing you have to do. And it's all these things that um, you don't think about with a disease that is sort of chronic and sort of goes on forever in some senses um, that can have quite a significant mental burden. I mean, it's interesting that you sort of came off azathioprine for a bit because I, I hadn't really heard of people coming off the drugs and I was discussing this with one of the registrars that I work with. Um, so you you came off the drugs on doctor's advice. That was, I remember that, that was about three years ago, two-ish years ago. Um, what was the sort of conversation surrounding that then? Uh, so I think it was following a colonoscopy which at that point were depressingly irregular um and i said you know the inflammation's gone down i don't think it like completely gone away or anything but it's gone down to such a point where i think we could try life without medication because that's ultimately the goal the The goal was never to be full-time as if i've been as because of the long-term effects that we obviously mentioned previously but um there, it was always a goal to you know calm it down calm the inflammation down go for a period of being okay and then coming off medication completely and seeing how that went and you know reacting if necessary if anything did come back and uh i mean even now i can't really remember it did come back um because i think i had another colonoscopy uh after i'd had a bit of a flare um and um, and with that flare, were the symptoms the same as you were when you were a kid? Like, because Lewis talked about how his symptoms sort of changed from being uh, a intense sort of pain when he was younger to sort of more just very loose motions. Has your symptoms changed over the years, or they remained the same? Uh, from what I remember, there was definitely pain still, uh, and I'll, I'll I'll be yeah honest and graphic. There was blood, <laughs> um, yeah. and it was like right something's not. <laughs> right here you know i need to yeah yeah you know flag this and um take the appropriate course of action but <laughs> but um yeah uh from what i remember that's what it was and i went yeah went back to the yeah. doctor and said you know so i've always had like a uh, a card in my wallet it was like you know if there's anything wrong call us and i do have to say to john radcliffe have been like i think they are as a uh, gastroenterology like specialist hospital if that's if my understanding mm, is correct are, but, yeah they'll probably be a tertiary but, um, they've always been incredible definitely the treatment i've had there mm. um but they were yeah they were like if there's anything wrong just call us and we'll you know book you in and have a look and decide what needs to be done with your you know also agreement as well um because i know as well since i like since i got diagnosed and went through these escalating levels of medication my understanding is that the, the medication has changed. Um, you'll probably be able to tell me more about that. But um, mm. there are alternative courses now. That was something that was mentioned to me. And, you know, you could try different things that are perhaps less severe or maybe work more for you. Um, yeah. There's a, there's an increasing sort of range of sort of um, drug treatment options. Um, 
And it also, I think it's important to say uh, different people have different experiences depending where they are in the country, mm. which is not how I, without getting political, yeah. not how I think yeah, it should definitely. be. Um, but different uh, trusts, as we would call them, which are sort of collections of hospitals, have different policies. Um, so I know individuals who have been offered treatments at certain hospitals and that wouldn't be offered mm. at St. John Radcliffe or another hospital. Um, And and it all just depends on a lot of factors. And I think that is, it's uh, (laughs) the way medicine is in the moment uh, in the UK. And that's just how it is. But um, yeah, so azathioprine is one of the drugs that is recommended. And yes, probably since you started azathioprine, which was a while ago, there are numerous numerous other drugs that are coming to market all the time and they tend to be drugs that are ending in mab like infliximab um adalumumab which is what lewis Mm. was on and then there's more and more and more and there's more in the pipeline um because these those drugs uh whilst they tend to be given by infusion which has its pros and cons, like you said. Uh, Pisi got an ice bun, so he liked it. Uh, but <laughs> negative, he also had to sit in hospital for a day and also had to have a trip in his arm. Um, so more and more of these drugs are becoming available by like other preparations, um, which is interesting and good for patients um, because I don't think coming into hospital for a day is what people want to be doing long term. Um, and yeah, yeah, no, I, I think you raise some important points about and it's interesting to hear that you were you were offered that sort of um period where you weren't on any drugs and you obviously now have had a significant period of time mm. off for drugs we're talking nearly two years yeah. 18 well yeah. over 18 yeah. months now um and managing fine yeah um which you'd nothing to report like i, I wouldn't been able to tell you when I was on the Ezafirepin again after that flare up to coming off it around COVID time, I couldn't tell you any difference really. And I haven't really yeah. had any, probably shouldn't eat so much food with so much chilli in it. But, uh, cause obviously yeah. that's like a, I don't know. I know, I know it varies. Yeah. Different yeah. People. I was going to ask you about triggers. I remember you say, I remember over the years you said there's a few things that just set you off. I won't go. I can't remember what, but um, yeah, I remember you saying spicy food was one yeah. of them. Um, yeah, uh, I think it is. I mean, it's natural, isn't it? Surely spicy food going through inflammation, you'd think. I don't know. Yeah, um, I mean, it's... It... Yeah, I don't know. My mum was trying to terrify me at one point, which is saying too much alcohol can do damage. Before I was going <laughs> to university, and that, that, in fact, going back to like the whole social thing and the mental thing, I another vivid memory was like my brother absolutely pissing himself like you're not gonna be able to have a good time at uni mate like don't bother and I remember being like oh shit like this is really good <laughs> my uni experience could yeah, be rubbish yeah. and we just sat there with a lemonade which obviously you don't need to drink to have fun and you know there's plenty of other ways to have fun at university but I do do remember thinking this is gonna ruin my next three years <laughs> maybe cut that bit <laughs> well, out <laughs> well, that didn't happen <laughs> well that, that didn't that didn't happen we uh we, we all know you uh may have had a a pint or mm. two at uni maybe <laughs> not disclosing anything but i i, I 
did did you have much problems over university? I I can't really remember explicitly talking to you about this. Obviously, you would have been taking days of fireprint at that point mm. regularly. Yeah, I really. Were I don't you really think so. pretty much under yeah. control in yeah. symptoms? That's what I mean. Like it's such a the actual road to diagnosis and that sort of thing, and then the escalating levels of treatment such a long time ago that you know. It's very much in the past, but I do remember like those symptoms, but it has been under control for quite a long time. Um, and I, yeah, no, I don't okay. remember it at the university actually having any sort of impact at all other than taking the That's really medication good. every day, which I was very good at. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> why, why, why are you grinning when you say no, no, that? I'm, I'm not, no, no, no. I did remember all of the time. <laughs> <laughs> if your mum listens to this she's going to be very she's disappointed to this. <laughs> too much childhood trauma um, <laughs> um, and then I guess <laughs> I guess thinking about having a chronic condition and the fact that this has already affected well, more than half of your life at this point um do you think that's had a significant impact on your identity on your mental health um over the years i, I know you said obviously you struggle with your me- or it, it might have been uh you, you 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 felt your confidence was knocked obviously when your your growth was in somewhat stunted but uh, do you think it's sort of affected you over the years um i think it definitely did for that period of time um mm. and i don't know if i'd be the same person today if i hadn't been through that you know um mm. i actually sort of think it's worked out for the best i mean i'm pretty happy with where i am now um mm. but yeah i oh, it's not like the logical and straightforward way to grow up sort of like that whole yeah phase of yeah like you said there's four years where things are quite difficult and yeah stunted and that no that definitely had an impact mentally and yeah it yeah 100% it did but I think now I can look back on it as a sort of you know yeah I don't want to I don't want to speak about it in the past tense too much because I'm very well aware that it could come back at any point. And yeah, it's not something that's like, mm. it's sorted and it's done. But yeah, it definitely had an impact for that period of time. But I I've, I've feel now I've come out the other end of it. But yeah, with the caveat that mm. I'm very much aware that it's still there. But yeah, yeah. no, 100% had an impact. I, yeah, and and... and knowing that it could come back any time does that ever play on your mind quite a lot do you find that sort of is and something that is uh, affecting you on a day-to-day basis or are you just able to be like well we'll just keep taking each day as it is and yeah no I've, i think i definitely take that approach um and that's sort of the advice i give to someone who is going through it at the moment it's I, I would break it down, and I've, to be fair, I'd apply this to any, anything in life. Break it down into manageable steps and take one day at a time. 
you know it's to be honest to be honest mm. and it probably sounds arrogant but I, I don't it's not something I think about a great deal at this point in time and again mm. you know I do want to make the point that you know a lot of people have got it a lot worse off than me and all that kind of thing um, but it's not something I have to really think about my day to day life it's not even like I'm taking pills or anything anymore every day which you know is a con is it would yeah. be a constant reminder that you know there is something that needs to be uh controlled and managed um hmm. but yeah no i mean for now i mean i probably live my life slightly recklessly with, with regard to like spicy food and intake <laughs> of other things but i mean i think uh i think if i yeah no if it's if i noticed it start to come back i would immediately I would definitely be quite proactive about trying to shut it down, you know, getting in contact with the doctors and um, regulating things and, you know, cutting down on the spicy food, for example, and, mm. you know, trying to eliminate things that I think might be triggers. Um, I know that was, that was a thing, even when I went on to like the liquid diet, it was at mm. the time, it was, let's eliminate this, let's eliminate this. Because I think at one point, you know, it's like, oh, too much fiber will set you off. Mm. Yeah. Which yeah. I think for me is not the case. Uh, I can pretty much say categorically yeah, yeah. based on my diet now, eat plenty of fruit and veg and stuff and that doesn't appear to have any sort of impact. Um, but, you know, different things for different people and, you know, what what affects one person won't affect another. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and I guess what... Yeah, it's... What what I like there and what you, what you said was... Uh, you you sort of spoke about the relief in coming off the pills and i think that's something not not everyone is able to experience like mm. we've said um but it's something that i think probably and correct me if i'm wrong makes it easier for you to just get on with your day-to-day -day life because you're you're sort of that part of your life, Crohn's disease, just kind of goes into the background at that point because you've not got this constant reminder, oh, the alarm bell's going, I need to take yeah. my pill or, oh, I've got to take a pill every morning sort of thing. And um, obviously as your friend, it's really, really nice to hear that you don't have to go through that anymore. But also I, I think there's there's something people can sort of learn from that as well and um, – begin to understand how hard it is for sometimes for people to regularly take medication no matter mm. the disease that they have and over the years you you spoke then about you being very proactive with things um have you taken a lot of this burden on yourself or would you say that you've had support of others around you what a question um <laughs> I think I've been very lucky to have people that obviously you know long term relationships people like my parents and you and my other friends they, they know uh, that I've got this condition I'm living with it and you know if I mention to them you know I'm not feeling great at this point in time they'll completely understand and be supportive and try and help mm -hmm. out and that kind of thing so yeah no, I, I, yeah, yeah. I, I suppose it's there's a certain amount of mental introspection and you uh, you take it away and deal with it yourself and you're not always on top of the world and probably think about things too much and all that kind of thing. But no, I think I'm I think I'm very lucky to have a very like supportive network of people that have been there mm. for a long time or 
not in some cases have come into my life, but they'll they completely understand what's wrong and they'll, you know, look to help me in any way they can. They understand what they need to do. Um, yeah. No, yeah, uh, I think everyone's got their own support network and it's, yeah, it's, I like I said, I've known you for a very long time now and uh, yeah, I guess I would fall under that uh, bracket. It's interesting, I think over the years um, as I've learned more about, because I think, um, interestingly, I think when you're 16 or whatever, you don't really like, I'm sure I was inclined to do medicine at that point and I wanted to do medicine, but I didn't really have a clue what Crohn's disease, ulcerative colitis meant. And then I think um, over the years, as I've learned more and more about it, um, you get more interested in mm. your, your friend's yeah, no, health. I do for, remember for you right asking me wrong. several like, questions over the, year, over the years like about how yeah, I was doing yeah. more, but in a more understanding way than other people in it more of um, in the sense that you understood more of like the science behind it and the symptoms mm. and stuff and how that was affecting me and stuff yeah no i definitely remember that yeah yeah it's it, yeah it's just um yeah it's interesting to see how that has changed as well just for from my my own personal perspective more than anything so i think we've we've covered a big part of your journey now i'm I mean, we we we've talked about your lead up to your diagnosis, um, your changes of medication over the years. Um, we've spoke about how you're now off medication. The fact that uh, it's quite liberating to be off medication as well, and then we've spoke a bit about your support network and sort of the mental health burden over the years as well. I mean. I think a nice way to sort of sum it up, and this is what I also did in the previous episode with Lewis, is what sort of advice would you give to your younger self, to other people who are sort of struggling with IBD at the moment? And yeah, even other people with chronic diseases. Yeah, no, I think I go back to what I said before. I think it's it's crucial to break it down and not be overwhelmed by... Because on the face of it, you know, when you're in the hospital and you're getting told all the stuff and, oh, if you take this drug, it'll have this side effect, and, uh, but it might work. <laughs> or if not, we can try this, but it's got this side effect, but it's a bit more serious, but it might work. I think you can very easily get overwhelmed by that, and there definitely was a period where I was getting told about all the side effects, and I remember that being quite um, uh, challenging at that time. Um, and I think it's very easy to you know see the big picture and think is there a way out of this am I gonna be better and all that kind of thing and I think if you break it down to manageable steps and think right you know this is how we're going to approach this and I, 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 I this is a philosophy I take into life you know if you look at the big picture all the time you're going to be overwhelmed by the amount of things you've got to do and the things to address and all that kind of thing and um I just find it's it's much easier if you uh if you break it down and uh, you know, take every day as it comes. You'll get through it. Um, and you know, mm. there are going to be bad days and stuff. But again, and again, it comes back to the support network and having the right people around you that obviously care about you, but also understand what you're going through and help you in the right ways and are there for you. Really, um, it's quite a difficult one to answer, I would say, because um, again, it's something that happened a long time ago for me. 
and uh, I have come mm. through at the other end now. But that's, you know, to be honest, through complete sheer luck. Um, mm. And I'm, I, I completely recognise how fortunate I am to uh, to be in that position. And I know, again, people are a lot worse off than me. And I, I don't want to sound like, oh, you know, you just approach it one day at a time and break it down. It's, it's a piece of piss. Because it's really not for some people. And, you know, um, but I do think it, it does help to, to do, approach it in that way. And because otherwise it does just become overwhelming. Well, I, th- I think that, no, uh, I, I don't think at all you're undermining anyone's experience with IBD, with any chronic disease. And I think um, that is a really, really good way to sort of wrap up the episode so thank you for coming on the show um no thanks for having me mate i appreciate it it's good good to catch up no it is good to catch up and uh yeah yeah i have been meaning to get more of the friend group on but it's just finding the right topics etc um (laughs) and getting the time getting the time at the moment um (laughs) but you know it's just one of those things and uh yeah, thank you so much for sharing your experience. It's it's been interesting for me because I've learned about a big part of your life which I didn't, I, I wasn't remotely involved with, um, and I think there's a lot of take home messages for anyone, both who has a chronic disease and doesn't have a chronic disease. Because even if you don't have a chronic disease, um, you will probably know someone who does, and you can be more understanding and more supportive of your friends, colleagues, etc. So. Yeah, we'll wrap it up there. Um, thank you so much for coming on the show, mate. Um, and no, cheers, man. Thank you. No worries. All right, take it easy. Bye bye. So that's a wrap. Follow me on all socials. Repeat prescription radio, Spotify, SoundCloud, everywhere. On Instagram at repeat prescription underscore. Frank.